I want to put the spotlight on the cannabis microbial market. This show is brought to you by Surgeons LLC in partnership with Ruga Monteto Feminized Genetics and Simply Professional Formula. For those who don't know me, my name is Ryan Bolda. Full disclosure, everything in this show is thought of, written, and produced by myself and the staff here at our company, Surgeons LLC. Presented by SRGN Networks. This is about hemp, cannabis, microbials, and other all-man... What's going on, everybody? Uh, today, I'm with Laura Khalil from Khalil Family Wellness. Uh, Miss Laura, she deals with addiction, uh, adolescent to adults. She does her private practice. She offers outpatient services. Uh, we're going to dive a little bit into that. We're going to talk about addiction, um, some of the plans uh, for Miss Laura in the future, a little bit of her backstory as well. I think it's important for people to learn more about you to really understand how effective she can be you know, in an addiction treatment setting. So we're going to dive into that right now. How did you get into this field to begin with? How did I get into this field? Yep. Really was... Way back, way back the when. Never was my intent to get into this field. Uh, law school was actually my dream. However, life circumstances took me down a different path and put me in a position of looking at that rabbit's hole that many people have to look down in order for them to face adversity. By the grace of God, I was able to turn away from the rabbit's hole and start a different journey that allowed for me to embrace gratitude and servitude. And I met my husband shortly after I moved back home from Dallas, which is where I lived for several years. And put me on a quest of a holistic approach to life. And I was sitting at a chiropractic convention probably back 30 years ago uh, while I was in the midst of my brother's addiction, my mother's addiction uh, to the chaos. And there was a chiropractor standing in front of about 500 people talking about his ability to manage the disease of addiction without drugs. He owns one of the oldest facilities in Miami. He was a co-founder of uh, the first drug court with Janet Reno back way back when. And he was being featured on the Discovery Channel for his work without drugs. And I turned to my husband stating to him that this is what I needed to be doing. So it put me on a quest to be able to do postgraduate work in addictions and compulsive behaviors leading me down to the path of wanting to have a holistic practice to help individuals to face adversity without replacing one substance and behavior with another. And that was a process of which I was 40. I had a baby at 40. I was doing postgraduate work and uh, I opened my practice in 2007, a non-drug practitioner, meaning I never used other drugs Suboxone, methadone, any of those types of substances to help people curb the craving mechanisms or the urges and I helped them produce chemistry naturally in the brain so that it would sustain serenity, calmness, clarity so we could work on developing basic skills for proactive thinking and education to sustain the stresses biochemically, physically and psychologically. Mm -hmm. As as a 
addiction therapist. So Monday morning, what are you going to do today? What's your day looking like? Monday morning starts off with uh, about 30 minutes of spiritual meditation, reflection, prayer, and identifying my agenda for the day and attempt to get a workout in before I go into the trenches. Uh -huh. And uh, I get to the residential block down facility that I work at and I do an inventory of the weekend. I identify what needs to be addressed for the week and prepare for whether it's a process group or a cognitive skills group. And then I also identify what clients I need to see in my private practice so that I can make sure that they check in with me on a daily basis. All of my private practice clients check in on a daily basis. I schedule their drops because they have to drop two times a week for me and do my groups check in on them during the lapse of time between my groups and attempt to send them inspirational positive thoughts before I go back into my other groups, mm -hmm. finish up the paperwork and then I head back to my private practice and meet with clients or if I have Zoom sessions I prepare an agenda for us to discuss, identifying their wins, their losses, how their day was on a scale of one to ten, what were some of their struggles, what coping skills do they think that they had, and if I have a crisis in between, then I have to sort of be adaptable because everything is subject to change. Mm -hmm. Everything course. is subject to change. There is no normal. So you work with both people uh, mandated by the state of Michigan because you live in Michigan. You, or federally, I guess. I guess it could be, you know, it's just a department of Correction. corrections. Yeah. So, what would you say you enjoy more? Do you do you enjoy working with private practice people more, or do you enjoy working with, um, you know, court mandated people more? So from a practitioner's point of view, it might seem like you get maybe more out of it working with people from, you know, mandated by the state? I love a good challenge and both present equal types of challenges at different levels. Mm -hmm. In my private practice, I'm more geared towards working with families because you need family dynamics to support the process of recovery. So I truly enjoy working with families and really want to continue to elaborate on that concept that it takes a village. And you need that in the process of recovery because one individual who struggles, it's difficult for them to sustain therapy when they know that the environment that they're living in is conflicted with what was in the past as opposed to what is and moving forward. Toxic. Yes, and Toxic. family members need to be educated about the disease of addiction so that they understand that what they see in a, their loved one has familiar qualities to it however they have to understand that the way of thinking has to change we never want someone to change who they are we want them to change the way they think about things and that's extraordinarily uncomfortable mm -hmm. however that discomfort is what perpetuates the feeling of compassion and you need compassion in order to gain wisdom from your past experiences in order for you to sustain long-term recovery mm -hmm. yeah. so you have shown interest in working with children, right? You yes. have talked, uh, we've talked briefly about this earlier today. Explain why that is, because you've been 
you know, you have an extensive resume as a um, addiction counselor, like you're board certified and you go through all the trainings, you, you put in mega hours, unnecessary, crazy hours to work with uh, these people and these families. And how long have you done this for? I have been a board certified addictionologist since 2005. 2005, yes. so it was 17 years, right? Yes. 17 years of working with people, um, working with people with addiction issues, and now today you're looking at it and you want to be more involved in youthful addiction therapy, correct? Well, so I'd like to, I would really, my mission is really to educate. So. I believe that you educate children about the management of stress biochemically, physically, and psychologically. You can teach them proactive skills. Just like in the martial arts, you have to have a basic training, and that basic training never changes. You just have to adapt to the circumstances and your body. My body at 60 has to adapt to my abilities to develop my skill sets as a martial artist mm -hmm. from 40 years ago. So you have to teach children how to adapt to the environment because anything and everything can happen in today's society. So we have to teach them the basic understanding of maintaining stability, anchoring themselves, being able to redirect negativity and diffuse triggers. And the only way to do that is to teach them the basic skills of helping them help themselves, understanding self-concepts so that their self-image, their self-ideal and their self-esteem has consistency to it. So no matter what comes their way, because we have a lot of bullying, we have a lot of racism, we have a lot of prejudice, we have a lot of yeah. ignorance when it comes time to today's interaction within our community and the humanity that's missing. So most definitely children are important so that we can teach them proactive skills. Mm. It's like a grooming process almost to a certain extent, right? Because you're a product of your environment. Obviously, people have those tendencies. They're, you know, maybe uh, genetic, right? There's some, there's some, there's some evidence that supports that addiction is genetic. You have genetic predisposition. You have environmental dispositions. You have biochemical, you know, genetics. However, the reality is addiction is rooted in a decrease within the biochemical capacity of the brain that contributes to the physical capacity of the brain and body communicating to each other. And then of course you have the psychological stress that only compounds the stress of an environment which dissipates a child's ability to maintain function on a day-to-day -day basis. And they ultimately regress into just survival mode. Because mm -hmm. it's straight, you know, everyone deals with stress differently. It's kind of another thing that I wanted to touch on because you, fo you focus on helping people help themselves, right? Yes. So... I could do it for you, but you wouldn't like me. Right. And I can tell you what to do, but you wouldn't like me. And my Sicilian mom voice comes out often. You definitely wouldn't want that, which happens all the time when I have my groups. The reality is, you have to do this for you. Mm, that's it. Yeah, it is. Nobody can fix your problem for you. No. Um, you're not going to go through a program. You're not going to go through any program and be magically cured or fixed. Or, there's nothing wrong with you as a person. It's, it's not, it's, it's the amount of effort. How bad do you want to stay addiction free in your life? Does, does that, you know, I feel like you have to have that desire or at least that connect. You had mentioned like a connection, like people are missing a connection to humanity. Is that, do you think of that as one of the driving 
forces behind a person's addiction, possibly? I think a driving force behind someone's addiction is their fear mm -hmm. of facing past experiences, identifying what their limiting beliefs are, and removing their labels. Oftentimes, when you have no concept of who you are, your past experiences, your limiting beliefs, and labels dictate how you react to a situation as opposed to learning how to respond to situations. And you have to have a willingness to endure the discomfort in order for growth to occur and gain compassion for the circumstances that you had no control over. And most children have no control over the circumstances in which they live. Uh, so we have to teach children how to develop coping skills to stay focused, stay rooted, and allow themselves to be kinder and gentler to themselves, mm -hmm. even though their environment is toxic. And for me, it's always been my faith. So my faith has carried me through this process to churning my pain into my purpose and being able to sustain my conviction into having a holistic approach to life. And I use that as my agenda every day that I teach mm -hmm. on helping people help themselves. You have all the control. When you say you're powerless over something, you give your power away to someone else. And you have to either live in fear or you have to live in faith. And that choice is yours. Mm -hmm. However, most children are growing up in an environment where they live in fear. And faith is furthest thing from their day-to-day -day process. Mm -hmm. Easy. Every day. Every day is, uh, you know, you, I, I feel like a lot of people go through it. You, you open your eyes every day and you're like, all right. Time to you know it is ever sometimes when you wake up there's just like a little bit of a heavier weight you know and then heavier weight a heavier weight a heavier weight and once you learn to deal with that life becomes a little bit easier you want to wake up you want to face the day you want to be motivated you want to do something positive you want to help people you want to help yourself you know your whole attitude changes once you learn how to deal with your emotions. I think that identifying your emotions is even um, I mean that's I the first step yeah it's like the, it's like definitely the first <clears throat> step the I, I feel like statements and I feel like a lot of people I'll say I feel like a lot of people don't you know have that skill or they just don't think about it enough I to, think most people know. have the ability to compartmentalize however they lack mental toughness in order to sustain long-term recovery, you have to develop mental toughness, which means you acknowledge where your weaknesses are and you cultivate resources that sustain your commitment and your conviction in wanting to move forward one step at a time with a mindset of wanting to be empowered. And when you wake up like, I feel like, and you let your emotions get the best of you, it consumes your thoughts, controls your life. And you have all the power when you allow yourself to remove can't, not, won't, and try mm -hmm. out of your vocabulary and you focus on what you want. Yeah, I remember you focused a lot about, uh, a, a lot on that. And that was definitely something in the beginning, um, working with you uh, in an outpatient setting because it's a lot different, um, you know, in an outpatient setting versus an inpatient setting. I'm 10 times harder on my outpatient clinic. Mm. And clients that I am in anywhere else I work in. I really love being in private practice because it allows for me to incorporate the family and families need to be a part of this process. 
because there's greatness that comes when you understand your weaknesses and you work towards developing a agenda that allows for you to consistently train yourself to enjoy your life even amidst all the chaos. Mm -hmm. And words are powerful. Words are so powerful. You have to speak into existence what it is that you want mm -hmm. and remove the can't, not want to try. Explain why. Why, 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 should, why shouldn't people use the word? Why should people remove can't, not want to try from yeah. the vocabulary? Yeah. Because you limit your beliefs within yourself when I can't do something, I'm not going to do something. You tell a child to stop running, don't run, don't run, don't run, what do they want to do? They impulsively want to run. You tell yourself, I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to smoke, then all you do is feel like you're depriving yourself. You want to learn that to be able to develop discipline is much more empowering than depriving yourself from something. So when you say, I can't eat that, however, I'm choosing to eat this, you're empowering yourself and allowing yourself the opportunity to take control of your emotions without allowing yourself to feel as though you're depriving yourself from something because you're developing discipline. And in recovery, it's necessary for you to have self-control. And self-control really, it truly is consistent discipline. And consistency over time equals results. And this is how you get long-term sustainable recovery is by developing self-control and using words that allow for you to be empowered by what you're saying and what you're doing so that you can strive for excellence every day and do all things with integrity. And that is how you remove strife from your life. Yeah, it's... it's it's, it's a lot of work. It's daily work. It's never going to be over. You work at it every day. It'll be over when you're dead. Right. right. You gotta, Maybe. Right now, you want to strive for excellence in everything that you do because you've been granted this opportunity to live your life clean and sober. Mm -hmm. And I mean clean and sober by the fact that it's more than just the substances. It's just behaviors. Mm -hmm. And you've demonstrated consistency in your behaviors with conviction that's allowed for you to move forward and educate and allow yourself to serve a community that allows open-mindedness, which is what we need in this process. Right. right, yeah, that is definitely the first, the first step is definitely open-mindedness mm -hmm. because you have to be receptive to it. I personally have went through a program knowing it's only 21 days. It's only 30 days. I can get through it. And I can just, you know, I can just go back to what I know, what I know best, yeah. you know. But it's after those 21 days, after those 30 days, is when you start wanting to work with someone like you, outpatient therapy process, um, even, even to get it, even to get in to initiate the process of getting into treatment too. I mean, you're, you, ex you are like the whole package deal. You can, you're always available to help. Treatment is really and truly just a big jigsaw puzzle. We, we know what the big picture is. We know what we want our life to look like. No one chooses to live in a world of addiction. And I don't care how many times somebody says, I just like getting high for the sake of getting high. No one likes to get high for the sake of getting high. They get high because they need to feel good in the moment for whatever the reasons. The reality is, is that when you pick out a jigsaw puzzle, you pick it out because of what it looks like. You know what the big picture is gonna look like. Treatment only provides us an opportunity to dump the pieces out and look for the corners. We only have enough time to look for the corners and one corner might be safe and another corner might be extraordinarily dark and dangerously painful. 
So then we have to focus on the other corners and maybe, just maybe, find a little framework of which we can contain the emotions and, and prepare you to do outpatient work so that you can continue to allow yourself to develop the framework, put it together, because you got to work from the inside out instead of the outside in. Mm -hmm. And that's why family is so important, because you need that internal mechanism of nurturing within a family unit to sustain long-term recovery without finding yourself becoming more obsessive about something, compulsive about something, replacing one behavior with another behavior. You have mm -hmm. to work from the inside out. And we, that's why we have to be proactive. You have to work from the inside out after you contain the borders of what you're working on. Mm -hmm. For sure, because when you're, when you're in that, when you're in that cycle, you're doing that cycle, life goes by very, very fast. You don't even really realize what's what you're doing, what's going on. All that matters is I need that first before anything. The need becomes needy. I heard one of my clients as we were working on what she understood about the disease of addiction. She said the need becomes needy. Yeah. And as you grow in life through your addictive behaviors, starting out as a child throwing temper tantrums, throwing toys, eating toys, cutting, eating. Like how many children do we know that eat their emotions yeah. away, right? Or those that don't eat their emotions away. That becomes addictive behavior. Uh, exactly. Those, those are the types of things that you have to begin to identify in that jigsaw puzzle of your life of where it really began and begin to stop asking yourself, why do I continuously repeat this behavior? Instead, you need to ask yourself, what have you done? What has been done to you? What must you let go of? What must for you forgive in order for you to move forward and understand that there are a lot of circumstances within your life you had no control over, and they took pieces of you away. And those pieces you can never replace. Mm -hmm. Those, those, those puzzle pieces you're talking yeah. about. It's like taking them back and putting yourself back together. I have a tattoo right here, and it's... Um, it's like a gears, like a metal, you know, metal um, hydraulics and gears. It's like the inside of my arm, basically. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, it's kind of like a reference to exactly what you're talking about. Like that's, that's basically like the symbolism behind that tattoo, you know, getting that piece back, you know, in my life. And I, every time when I go back to it in my head, if I have to replay it, I have Miss Laura there the whole time, and it was a lot easier. I will say it was a lot easier working with you than it had been working with other people in the past because of your attentiveness to what's going on. Like you really cared. Well, I care because I, I truly understand that the disease of addiction is more than drugs. And had I not walked away from the rabbit's hole. 40 years ago, I probably would be sitting in one of the mandated facilities uh, doing outpatient, but my gratitude allowed for me to empower myself and identify that each day requires an agenda, one from conviction, one from the gut, one from the heart that allows for you to get up every day with gratitude, no matter how difficult the day is, and then end your day with gratitude mm -hmm. so that you can both. You need you start your day with that gratitude and end your day with gratitude, and everything in between is just a test. Mm, even if it's just as simple as, I feel grateful 
in the morning to yourself. Yeah. You know when listening, probably, you know, maybe your significant others, but you know, I feel I've, I'm really grateful for today. And it's just something to practice because it's a total lifestyle change. Well, it goes back to what I said earlier with regards to the difference of compartmentalization and mental toughness. Mental toughness means you face adversity head on, knowing that it's going to be difficult, knowing it's going to require blood, sweat, and tears, knowing that it's going to take your breath away, knowing that it's the devil attempting to break you because you're getting closer to success. And that's mental toughness because you never give up. You never ever can give up. And when we allow our emotions to get the best of us, Yes, I break down and cry daily sometimes when the stress of being in one facility or being in my private practice or the string of individuals that are overdosing consistently now. I, I can tell you that we've lost a significant amount of people due to the fentanyl increase and other things. Of One stupid little quirky thing can take your life away and that's why we have to be vigilant and developing present time consciousness on a day-to-day -day basis. And yes, you have to start your day with gratitude because you can wake up in the morning and the devil's already whispering to you. Mm -hmm. You gotta do this, you can't do this, you can't do that. And you have to remind yourself that you can and you will, and you have. So you have to have mental toughness to embrace gratitude in the morning to start the journey and end the journey. And everything in between, you just simply identify as a test of what you've been able to accomplish just for today. Right, just for today. Yeah. That is definitely, if you're in the recovery community, <laughs> It is definitely a very cliche thing you hear just for today, just for today, but there's a lot of truth to it. If you don't say it, say I'm grateful, right? Because that's all it is about. Um, I want to talk about one last thing, and it's the future. Uh, the future for you. You said you wanted to work with children. How would, how would you explain it? I want to develop a resource center for youth that can identify where they are and where they want to be. A lot of young people have no coping skills, they have unsafe environments of which they are unable to express their emotions. So teaching children how to reframe from reacting, giving them the ability to learn how to express their feelings. Uh, we have a lot of clients, you know, young people who struggle with their identity, whether it's sexually, whether it's gender identity, whether it's being in the household of parents who are drug dealers. Parents that use drugs, parents that have criminal backgrounds, and young people need to understand that they have no control over their parents or the environment they live in. However, they do have control over how they cope with that, and I want to help empower them. I want to arm them as the warriors that they can be, because you have to be a warrior, yeah. and you have to raise children to understand that they have to be accountable, they have to be responsible, and to do that, they have to identify who they are. And I think we need to develop a better education resource to helping children identify who they are from the inside out based upon how they see themselves and how to cope with things they have no control over. Instead of reacting, they learn to respond and be kind and be generous to themselves first. You only can have a healthy relationship within yourself when you have honesty within yourself, you're trusting of yourself. You can communicate in powerful ways, and some days we never can really do that when we're trapped in a toxic environment and be able to depend upon yourself. Honesty, trust, communication, dependability, and respect are the five essential traits to a healthy relationship. I want to teach young people how to develop that within themselves so that they can find their way through 
day-to-day challenges without seeking out high-risk behaviors, without choosing to engage in substances just for the sake of getting high, because no one ever gets high just for the sake of getting high. It's to feel good. For sure. Right, and you want to feel good because you don't want to feel the pain. And you got to feel the pain if you want to get the gain, because you yeah. grow through what you go through. Is, right, and you have to be able to sustain that, and we have children who have a very limited capacity to develop that within themselves, and I really want to create an empowerment zone for our children to learn how to develop those five essential traits to a healthy relationship with themselves first, instead mm-hmm. of putting themselves out there seeking it from other people, seeking validation in all the wrong places. Most definitely. There's... Um, definitely a, a, a big need for that. These are, you know, our kids, our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews, you know, these are, these are people who, this is our family, you know, this is our neighbor, this is our community, um, you know, public schools, for example, they'll teach those things. That's, that's things that, those are things that you learn from mistakes. You go through life. You go through public school. You make mistakes talking to people. You make mistakes with teachers. You, you know, you cheat on your homework. You you make mistakes and you learn from them. It's very generalized. It's not focused. It's not tailored towards the individual. You're just kind of left to you know think for yourself, and you don't develop those traits. So I I 100% believe that is more than you know I think it's very necessary it's very necessary and I would I 100% support that you need a family center you need to be able to empower the children and help adults learn how to heal Mm -hmm. so that they can develop healthy relationships within themselves with their parents with their siblings with their partners with their children so when I talk about having a resource center for youth it also is a component of that is to helping parents unlearn a lot of learned behaviors out of survival. Mm-hmm. I want families to be able to thrive, and in order to thrive, you have to teach the village. Mm-hmm. You have a strong nucleus. You too. have to have the, the nucleus. Fear is the nucleus of your addiction, and gratitude is the nucleus of your recovery. And we are all in recovery. I've never struggled with substances, mm-hmm. impulsive, compulsive behaviors. Rescuing people has always been an impulsive thing for me way back when, how I've learned to put objective thinking into place to sustain my purpose and allowing young people to understand that you have to have boundaries, you have to sustain those boundaries, but at the same time you have to learn to thrive instead of just living in survival mode. And when we live in survival mode, we lie, we cheat, we steal, we manipulate. We do things in an irresponsible fashion and and we're quick to deflect. When you're thriving in life, you take ownership and accountability and you apologize. Mm-hmm. You know, you allow people to understand that you have remorse for the impulsive behavior that you engaged in, and it's necessary in order for a family to heal. And we have a lot of broken families. We have a lot of broken children. We have a lot of broken adults. And for me, being in an environment that I work with a lot of adults, I work with a lot of young people as well. And there's this huge gap, and we have to find a way to bridge the gap. That's why I work in an inpatient residential facility and sustain my private practice. We just want to build. A bridge that's been my mission since I started back in 2007 and the reality is we need that bridge in order for us to find a path back to humanity within our family units and it's one drop it's mm-hmm. one corner of which the big jigsaw puzzle that I see I, I know the corners of my jigsaw puzzle I know the framework of what I want to establish 
It's being able to sustain it in a society that wants quick fixes. And there is no quick fix to this healing process. Exactly. And that's exactly what, you know, we need this, we need this for, you know, to, to teach these things. It's just a different perspective um, that's tailored towards the individual. How can somebody start working with you? Uh, how can be well ultimately you know my office uh, I like to do a lot of consultations to identify where somebody's at where they want to be they can contact me at my office uh, I do have a website however it needs to be revamped because I don't have enough hours in the day to do both so right now if anyone wanted to do a consultation which is complimentary from me to find out where you are where you want to be you just would contact my office Contact your office. That's Khalil Family Wellness, correct? That's the uh, Khalil Family Wellness and Intervention. Yes. Inter and Khalil yes. Family Wellness and Intervention. Okay. Next week, I interview Sheila Mazzolini, my partner here at CBD Surgeons. We're gonna talk hemp products, how we got started, and much more.